The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Hello, and welcome to The Walden Pond. I'm your host, Vince Walden, on the Compliance Podcast Network. I'm here today with John Warren, Vice President and General Counsel with the ACFE. And for those of you who are not familiar with the ACFE, that is the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. But before we get started, in typical Walden Pond fashion, I want to start off with a quote that I think is relevant to today's topic. It's from Thoreau, of course, the Walden Pond. The world is but a canvas to our imagination. And when I think about this research foundation that the ACFE is launching or enhancing, I'm really excited about what creative things we're going to see. So, John, welcome to the pond. Well, thanks, Vince. Thanks for having me. What do you think about that quote given our topic today? Yeah, I think it's apt, right? I mean, what we're really talking about here is doing something a little more imaginative, right? A little more far thinking, far reaching, looking into the future a little more than maybe we do in our day-to-day jobs when we're in the weeds, you know, trying to just handle the next assignment or the next case or the next engagement. So yeah, imagination is something we're definitely focusing on with this new initiative. That's the theme. Well, before we start talking about what the ACFE Research Foundation is about, Give the audience a little bit about some of your background and how you became general counsel with the ACFE. Sure. I don't come from a fraud or accounting background. It's a little bit of a unique path I took. I went to law school, came out of law school thinking I had more or less decided I didn't want to practice law. And I was in the Austin area and I connected sort of by chance with Joe Wells, who's the founder of the ACFE. And he was working on a book at the time, and it was based on the very first ACFE report to the nation, which was our initial study on occupational fraud that we did back in 1996. And so I signed on to help him work on that book, doing some background research, doing some getting up to speed on occupational fraud because I really knew nothing about it. Spent a couple years with him working on that and on some other studies we did connected to the report to the nation. So that was sort of my first job at the ACFE was on the research side. Hmm. I ended up sort of unexpectedly staying for the next 23 years. And 2004, I moved over full-time to the role of general counsel. Our uh, previous general counsel stepped into an education role. And so from that point on, my official duties have really revolved around the legal side of the ACFE, but I've always kept my hand in research. I still am one of the authors of the Report to the Nations that we put out every two years, and I have been working for the last several years with something called the Institute for Fraud Prevention, which is kind of what we're here talking about today. And that was a center that focused on academic studies on fraud and corruption. So that's kind of my background. And that's why you have a lawyer here talking about fraud research right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And, and again, the ACFE, I mean, that's going out to 85,000 know, certified fraud examiners or members yep. of the ACFE and through the magazine that we'll talk about in this research, you know, this awareness around the research. So it's pretty cool. In fact, so 
This month's issue, the November-December issue of Fraud Magazine, you and I co-authored an article called Igniting Anti-Fraud Research via the ACFE Foundation. And again, that's funny. I co-authored it with you and I'm interviewing you about it, but let's just pretend that I didn't. (laughs) Um, Again, in the column that I write in the magazine, it's so much fun coming up with new topics. And I think about what this research foundation is going to do and future things that we can write about. I'm pretty excited. So tell us about kind of the genesis of this and how it related to the Institute of Fraud Prevention and where we're at now. Yeah. And first, let me say, I mean, you're generous to say we co-authored it. I did help, but I think you did the bulk of the work on that article and you deserve most of the credit for it. But yeah, we are really excited about it. So to give a little bit of background, the ACFE's felt for quite a while that there is one of the problems with our industry, which is fairly new. I mean, forensic accounting has been around for a while, but fraud examination is sort of a discipline, is relatively new. And one of the places we maybe lag behind is in serious academic research on fraud and fraud-related topics. And so going back about 12 years or so ago, our founder, Joe Wells, came up with the idea for something called the Institute for Fraud Prevention, which would be the first academic research center that was solely focused on research built around fraud, corruption, white-collar crime. And what we would do is we would provide financial support or data support to people in the academic world who were doing serious study on these issues, right? And so for the last, I would say, 10 years or so, that institute has operated at the University of West Virginia, and it's been known as the Institute for Fraud Prevention. And they've done a great job. We've supported over 50 research studies. We've given out hundreds of thousands of dollars to different researchers and generated a lot of good reports, right? And the academic study is a little more detailed, and it's kind of a different creature than what we do as practitioners. Starting this year in 2019, we reached an agreement with West Virginia University, where we, meaning ACFE, and specifically our foundation, ACFE Foundation, would take on those operations that were previously run by the Institute for Fraud Prevention. So what that means going forward is this. The ACFE Foundation, which previously has provided scholarships to students, will continue to do that. But now we're adding a second function of the foundation, and that is what we're calling the ACFE Research Institute, which is just a continuation of the IFP. And we are going to be providing dollars and data to academic researchers who can do really detailed, serious, statistically valid, peer-reviewed studies on issues that are going to benefit CFEs and other anti-fraud professionals. In a nutshell, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, and I totally respect that IFP did some great work. And I, I'm even surprised to hear the 50 plus research things that were topics that were sponsored, because I think one of the challenges was how do we get that research out? And through Fraud Magazine, through the website, through compliance channels and podcasts like this, I want to know what the latest research is coming out of whatever university or even a corporate sponsorship that would fund such research or through the donors or, you know, I think as CFEs, we all want to know and so that we can share it and really advance the profession. So I'm excited about this too. You know, when you think about how this is going to benefit the professionals, let's talk about that. I mean, how are we going to disseminate the information? That's absolutely right. You make a really good point there, Vince, because 
one of the challenges was this information is getting generated, but wasn't getting out there, right? Yeah. And we are hoping that, and this was a lot of credit to you in spearheading a lot of these efforts, but the idea that we can leverage the power of the ACFE, right? We've got, like you said, 85,000 members worldwide. I mean, we are the largest anti-fraud organization in the world. We're in a really good position to be able to disseminate that information in maybe ways that it wasn't getting spread out to our members before. So we hope using the power of the ACFE connected to the foundation, we can leverage that knowledge and get it into the hands of people who can make practical use of it. And that's one of the other things I do want to mention is I think sometimes people hear academic research and Sometimes you can think, oh, well, that's not going to be practically applicable or that's going to be, you know, some sort of esoteric whatever study. One of the things we require people to do when they submit a proposal, and we may talk about this later, but their proposal has to define how the research will be practically useful to our members because we want research that's going to drive results in the real world. So that's what we're focusing on. That's awesome. And let's think about this. So what can we expect from the foundation in 2020? Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting year. As I said, we've previously only focused on the scholarship side of our work, right, providing aid to students. And we've done great work there, too. I mean, we're something like $800,000 has gone to students all over the world, and we're really, really proud of that. But now we're going to be including this new venture, and we have already either five or six research projects that we have agreed to support dating back to last June and coming in 2020 and going forward, what's going to happen is this. Every year, the Research Institute is going to have a one-day meeting, which is going to be attached to the ACFE Global Fraud Conference. So if you're a CFE or an associate member or just a professional who's going to our conference, you can make the decision to stay over for Thursday, which is typically the day we have the event after our main conference closes. And we want practitioners to get involved. You can come to the meeting, and at those meetings, everybody who's submitted a proposal that's been vetted and approved will stand up, and they will present to the people at the meeting, this is what I want to study, this is how I'm going to get the data, this is what I think we're going to learn, and this is how I think it's going to be helpful to the people here in the room, the practitioners. And they're really interesting meetings because you've got these people getting up, they get 10 minutes to make their pitch. So it's almost like it's nice. a little bit Shark Tankish, right? Where they yeah, get up, they, exactly they give their spiel. Yeah, exactly. People ask questions, they get some feedback, 10 minutes, and they're off the stage. And then I we, want to be Mr. You know, I want to be Mr. Wonderful. I want to be Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> That's what I think. That would be your role. Yeah, you'd be great at it. You'd be wonderful at it. And so at the end of the meeting, then, there is a selection committee made up of organizations that have donated or financially contributed, and they get representatives who sit on a selection committee and they make decisions. Okay, these are the studies we're going to support. And that's based on our budget and on what we think of their relative studies and how valuable they're going to be. And then one of the other things that selection committee will do is then set a research agenda for the coming year. So let's say that we think, you know, coming down the pike next year, we expect business email compromise to be a really big issue. Maybe we'll say, well, okay, we'll take any study, but we're going to give special preference to studies focused on this area or another area, whatever. And then the researchers who have won the grants, they don't get paid right away. What they have to do is demonstrate they've 
reach 50% of the way to completion and they'll get 50% of the money. And then when they finish, they get the rest of their money. And in that way, we make sure that we're only spending dollars on studies that are actually yielding tangible results. And then like the that. best part is at the back end of their project, they come back and they do a proposal on what they learned and what it means for the membership. So it's kind yeah, of a cycle. Cool. If I'm a researcher, how would I go? Is there a link on the website to submit yeah. topics? Okay, great. If you go to acfe.com and then you can Google, or the easiest way is probably just to Google ACFE Research Institute, but it's right on the acfe.com page. And there is information about the institute, information about guidelines for submitting grant proposals. And what happens is if you submit a grant proposal, you're going to have to do a literature review. You're going to have to explain why this is going to be beneficial, how you're going to do the study. We have a research director or actually co-research directors who are full-time academics who do this kind of study for a living. They do an initial vetting of the projects and will work with the researchers and kind of do a desk review. And there will be an initial weeding out to where we'll select X number of projects that we think are intriguing enough to come before the membership at the annual meeting in June. And then that's yep. where we'll have the proposal we talked about. Very and I should mention, we're giving money of up to $15,000 per grant or data, because one of the things we've really learned in this process is that researchers, they need money to support their projects, but they're always dying for data. So if anybody listening out there, they're working at a corporation or a government agency, and they're wondering why there's not more research, if you've got data that you can share with people on the research side, I guarantee you there's a use they can make of it. They're starving for data, and that's one of the big benefits we provide them. That's great. No, that's very good. Well, actually, we got time for one more question, and that's really – give me some examples. Give me one or two examples of some of the yeah. research topics that's been done. There's some really cool stuff. I mean, there have been a ton of them, but just a couple to mention. We just approved one in June that I haven't even seen a preliminary report on, but it's a really cool issue. There are brokers who are licensed by FINRA or overseen by FINRA, and they get in trouble and they get sanctioned, they lose their license, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a researcher out of the University of Kentucky who's been studying these people and sort of tracking them. But now what we think may be happening is that a lot of these people, when they lose their license through FINRA, they're going into the insurance industry and selling insurance products, which are similar but are regulated at the state level. And what happens is FINRA and the states don't communicate very well with each other. So there's kind of finding a loophole where they're wheedling their way back into the financial industry. His study is going to track these wow. people, and we're hoping that we're going to find a significant number of people who are making this move around the regulations such that we can – convince the federal government to be communicating better with the state government and kind of stop this sort of thing from happening, right? I think that's a really interesting project that could lead really important results. We had a study on people who do management overrides. So, you know, in the anti-fraud world, we talk a lot about controls, but the fact is there are a lot of frauds that occur where an organization might have pretty good controls, but somebody in authority overrides those controls. So a group of researchers looked at the characteristics of those people what do they look like? What are their capabilities? And the study suggests that when boards are evaluating internal controls, they need to also be thinking about the capabilities of people in a position to override to actually do it. And what are the warning signs there? Then that's something that's maybe getting overlooked right now. And they found some data 
that kind of shows that these people look a little different than your typical fraudster. So that's useful information that I think could be built into organizations' anti-fraud practices going See, forward. No doubt, whether you're an auditor, an investigator, internal auditor, these are kind of things to keep in mind and just raises the profession overall. I know in, in our article we talked about, there's some research we talked about professional skepticism and I like single versus multiple perpetrators. These are the topics, you know, and I want the audience to hear that the Research Institute is going after. And again, one of my passions about it, and again, as in, in full disclosure, I work with you very closely on this, so it's near and dear to my heart as the president yeah. of the ACFE Foundation. I want to see corporations get involved alongside academia. And if there are topics that you're wondering about in the corporate community, this could be a resource to match you know, academics with corporations to conduct such that, research. So That is absolutely uh, correct. And that's one thing I would like to mention too, is that what we want this to be is not just a place where a bunch of academics get together, right? This is supposed to be a nexus where academics, practitioners, government, regulators all get together and they say, these are the problems we're looking at or we wish we had answers to. Right. And then the academics can take it from there and say, okay, well, if, you know, I think I can find that, or I think I can study that this way if I had the support. And it's sort of, we're trying to draw from all the different stakeholders in this arena, right? To have everybody come together in one place and really solve some of these problems that have been existing for years. I think it's going to be exciting. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time on the pond here, John, but you have any last concluding remarks for the audience? Well, just that we really would love people to come to the meeting in June and see what this is all about. I'm not an academic by background, but it's really interesting stuff. And also you mentioned corporate supporters or donors. We'd love to have more organizations supporting this at a financial level. So if you think this is something that your organization would like to get behind or would like to contribute to financially, reach out to us. My email, I'm on the ACFE website, but it's jwarren at acfe.com, or you can reach out to us through our foundation page. But we'd love to have more support and engagement from people in the business and corporate community. So please contact us if you have any interest at all. Awesome. Awesome. John, thank you very much. And for those listening, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Walden Pond, part of the Tom Fox Compliance Network. And we'll see you next time. John, thank you very much for joining. Take care. Thank you, Vince. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.